The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Monday edition of PFTPM. Still thinking back to Super Bowl 55. Shereen Williams and Mike Florio. And Shereen, when did you start covering the Cowboys? 1999, middle of the 99 season, because I was in Tampa Bay the first half of that season, then left on the bye week and came here. You're not very good luck for the teams you cover. The Buccaneers got good after you left, and the Cowboys got bad after you (laughs) arrived. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe the Cowboys are going to pay me to leave. Leave town, go somewhere else. Uh, uh, No, no, because you don't work for the Cowboys. You don't work for the Dallas newspapers anymore. You're with us covering the the entire league. And the entirety of the show, or at least most of it, is going to be focused on Super Bowl 55. What was your your quick thought, 35,000-foot observation about what we saw last night? Well, Mike... I'm not surprised the Bucks won. I'm surprised the way they won, by the margin they won by. That's what I'm surprised by. I don't think anybody in the world picked this margin of victory, even if they're like Mike Forio and picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl before the year started. I don't think you could have predicted that they would have blown out the Chiefs. Yeah, even the most ardent, zealous Buccaneers fan under the influence of alcohol and or marijuana would not have picked a 22-point margin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That, that's the thing that stunned me, the fact that they made it look easy, that they delivered not necessarily the knockout punch. They got up, and they never let the Chiefs get up after establishing those leads and building the lead and keeping the Chiefs from getting back into it. So the end result, Tom Brady gets Super Bowl ring number seven. Here he is declining to prioritize which ring means more than the other and which one may mean the most. Every year is different. You know, this year has been so it's been incredible for me. I, it's just been incredible. So I, it's great. That's, that's where I rank it. It's great. You know, Brady used to say when asked what's his favorite Super Bowl win, he would say the next one. And I guess he can't really say the next one anymore because at 43, you can't presume there's going to be a next one. But a lot of people do assume there's going to be a next one. I think what they did last night was the bookend to what they did with the Patriots to the Rams 19 years ago when the Rams were 14-point favorites and the bucket and the Patriots the Buccaneers I used to have a hard time not calling the Buccaneers the Patriots now I'm going to have a hard time not calling the Patriots the Buccaneers but the Patriots won that game and that was before anybody really knew who Brady was there was a question early in the week as to whether or not Brady was even going to play in that game he got injured in the AFC championship played seven days before the Super Bowl Drew Bledsoe came in and finished the job won the game And then went back to the bench. But uh, that, to me, was the most impressive because it was the most unlikely. I felt like the Patriots were going to win every Super Bowl that they were in since then. And I ultimately felt like they were going to win yesterday because of Tom Brady's presence. 
Yeah, Tom Brady's not going to rank them, but we certainly can, Mike. And you never forget your first one. Like you said, just, they were big underdogs in that game. The Rams were supposed to come out and kill them. They didn't do it. The Patriots won that game. I think the other one that was really special for him was the Seahawks victory in 2014 because of the gap there. Because people forget he won in th- 2001, 2003, 2004. Then there was that whole gap when we wondered where they're – Tom Brady would ever win another Super Bowl after his third, and he got back there in 14 and and won it in 14, and then obviously 16, and now we've come to expect Brady to win it. But Mike, when you look at the margins of victory for him in the Super Bowl, total margins of victory in his first six Super Bowls was 19 points. He won this one by 22 points. In my mind, this was Brady's greatest victory ever because of his age, because of COVID, because of no offseason program, coming to a new team, learning a new offense. I, to me, it's the greatest accomplishment he's ever had. Uh, and, and that's saying something because he's had a lot of these. I'm not ready to go quite that far because coming back from 28-3, to three, I think, was the moment he vaulted to the same level as a Michael Jordan, even though it put him at five. Super Bowl wins, and there was a sense that maybe that was the perfect moment for him to drop the mic and walk off into the sunset. He's won half of the Super Bowls since that day in Houston four years ago. But you mentioned the the win over the Seahawks. That came 14 days after Deflategate emerged, and the NFL eventually would come down hard on him with the four-game suspension that was served to start the 2016 season. To me, that was... Uh, a meaningful victory because they had to prove that they could win without footballs that may or may not have had the top taken off of them, as people around the league were saying at the time. So, look, they're all special. They're all significant. And he now has seven of them. And it's that mentality they brought to the Buccaneers that the Buccaneers believe pushed them over the top, took them from seven and nine to 11 and five and Super Bowl champion. Here's Coach Bruce Arians and Mike Evans talking about the mentality that Tom Brady brings to a locker room. I think the leadership that Tom brings and his attitude that, hey, let's go play. Uh, it's never over till it's over. And, uh, and we're going to win this thing somehow, some way. And, uh, you know, it permeated through our whole locker room, his belief um, that we're going to do this. And knowing that he'd been there and done it, our guys believed it. And uh, it changed our entire football team. It was, it was instant. I mean, you, if you had Tom Brady, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, um, you know, that, that, that's going to do it itself, you know. Um, and we had a lot of great players around him. And you, if you give, you know, the goal to all these players, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to work out. And uh, it did. Oh, it definitely did. And you know what? Something that dawned on me earlier today, Shereen, the torment that Tom Brady experienced in losing three Super Bowls. That, I think, makes him even more determined to not lose another one. When you think about how close the games were that his teams won, the games he lost were just as close. And he was favored in each of those three games, if I recall correctly. They were 18-0 and when they lost to the Giants. They faced the Giants again four years later and lost that one by narrow margin. And then he had 500 passing yards in the Super Bowl loss three years ago in Minnesota to the Eagles. He did everything in his power to will the team to victory and was unable to do it. I think the losses are so painful and so permanent that the more he's lost, the more determined he becomes never to lose again. And I 
think there's a little of that 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 has crept into Patrick Mahomes. He talked a little bit along those lines, I think, earlier today about how much it hurts and that the pain from losing provides all the motivation that he'll need for the rest of his career to win if and when he gets back to that level. Yeah, I listened to all of Mahomes last night, Mike, and he talked about his dad losing a World Series and having to rebound from that. And and he did talk about it, how much it hurt. And I think that does motivate you never to be back in that situation again because it's the most painful thing you can experience as an athlete is to get all the way to the championship game, knowing what it takes to get there. And we talked a lot, remember, about the 49ers talking about we just want to fast forward to the Super doesn't happen like that. I mean, it takes a lot, especially this year. It took a lot for these two teams just to get to that point. And then when you lose it, it it's doubly devastating to, to think about how far you came to get there. Now you got to start all over again. It's not the same team next year. It's not the same scenarios. Not, nothing's the same when you go into the next year. So you don't know when you'll be back. So you try to cherish it when you win them. And when you lose them, they certainly motivate you. And I do think that Brady's been motivated by that. And you mentioned the 2017. Th- that's ironic to me because that, that was probably the best team he ever played on and one of the best teams in NFL history. And they didn't get it done when it counted most. And, and so we still think of that team as an awfully great team, but it didn't take that final step to become truly great. And I think if they had, we'd be talking about that team as the greatest of all time. Well, and some similarities between the 2007 Patriots and the 2020 Chiefs, who were uh, great all year long. They had one loss in a game that they were trying to win. They lost in Week 17, but that was with backups against the Chargers. Here's Patrick Mahomes with the benefit of sleeping on it, although I'm not sure how much he slept last night, discussing what went wrong in Super Bowl 55. I thought the guys did a good job. I mean, we just... We just didn't execute at a high, not enough level. I wasn't on the same page with the receivers on some plays. There were some plays where I got the line going in the wrong direction, um, and then and then at the end of the day, we just didn't we didn't execute. And I think that's the biggest thing. And um, a lot of times it gets it gets it gets put on that O line um, because I'm scrambling around. But if we're not executing as far as me making the right reads and getting the ball out of my hand to the receivers on time. Um, then, then nothing's going to work. Um, so uh, uh, they get, they get that blame uh, sometimes, but it's not deserved because I mean a lot of it's on me, and people just don't see it that way. Although Sunday night, Shireen, he did say that sometimes the line blocked and sometimes they let guys through, and he did spread some blame out. It kind of surprised me to hear him speak in those terms because you don't you don't expect to hear quarterbacks be that blunt about the failings of others on the offense other than themselves. And Mahomes has a way where he could pretty much say anything and it doesn't seem like it would be insulting to anyone. But when you look at the words, it's like, oh my gosh, he was dangerously close to throwing guys under the bus. But we all know there were issues with the offensive line. But we saw what happened with the inability to connect with the receivers down the field. The toe got aggravated at some point early in the game. Mahomes ran for 497 yards before throwing or getting sacked last night. Almost five football fields of running around, hair on fire, trying to buy time. And there are many reasons why the Chiefs lost last night, but Mahomes' effort and ability were not among the reasons. He was incredible last night. He really was doing everything he could to keep plays alive, find open guys. Guys were, I don't want, they weren't classic drops, but there were a lot of balls that could have, but should have, would have been caught that weren't. 
Maybe they were so surprised the ball got out of Mahomes' hands before he hit the ground. But but I thought Mahomes was spectacular as a player. It just didn't work for the Chiefs. Yeah, everything that could have gone wrong in that game, Mike, went wrong for the Chiefs. You look at the penalties, the 95 yards set a Super Bowl record for most penalties in the first half, 95 yards. Six of those resulted in first down. The penalties killed them. The coaching killed them. We haven't talked nearly enough. And I went on the transcripts today to see if Andy Reid was asked about it about his clock management there at the end of the first half. And it reminded me of the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl when the Patriots beat the Eagles. Andy Reid's clock management at the end of the first half and the end of the, the second half was abysmal. And I thought it was bad him calling those two timeouts because I think the Bucks were ready to go into the locker room with, with a one-score lead. And Andy Reid called two timeouts there, stopped the clock, and the Bucks obviously ended up getting a touchdown out of that. But all of those things went wrong. But back to Mahomes, yes, he played well enough, I think, to, to win the game, even though he didn't throw a touchdown pass, even though his passer rating was the worst of his career. But you look at the offensive line being bad, his toe, you know, you wonder if those things would have been different. You, you look at the drop passes, you know, what if Travis Kelsey makes that third down catch early? What if they catch the two touchdown passes? It could have been a completely different game. But somebody asked him in post game about the Spider-Man throw he made. And I used the picture in one of our posts of him like levitating off the ground and throwing the ball. It's one of the greatest incompletions in NFL history. I, I've never seen an incompletion that great. How he got that ball off, I don't know. But he played pretty darn well to give the Chiefs a chance, just not well enough with everything else going on around the team. I mean, when you look at his passer rating in the Super Bowl last year, it wasn't great. He won MVP awards because the rest of the team around him didn't make all those mistakes that they made this time, Mike. Yeah, I mean, people call that the Spider-Man throw. I've been calling it the shortstop throw. I mean, that, that's his yeah. baseball coming out of him. That's the, 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 the ground ball deep in the hole that he sprints back to get in one motion, scoops it up, and throws it to first as he's diving laterally. That's why I said earlier today, any dads out there that want their boys to grow up and be quarterbacks, get them playing shortstop because the ability to throw from every platform, every arm angle, that's what makes Mahomes great. And, and he, he look, I don't know how many times he's going to be back He's now six behind Brady again. That's a tough gap to close, especially while Brady is still going. But uh, Mahomes is never going to relent. He's never going to give up. And I think when he's back at the Super Bowl level again, what happened last night is going to provide the same kind of fuel that it provides for Tom Brady. Because as exhilarating as it is, to get to the top of the mountain and plant the flag. That's how much it hurts to have one hand on the summit and to be thrown all the way down to the bottom of the mountain, which is what happened to the Chiefs on Sunday night. Here's Andy Reid, coach of the Chiefs, on the lessons that were learned from the 31-9 loss to the Buccaneers. Well, it's tough to get here. I'm proud of the guys. I mean, I mentioned that last night, that uh, it's not an easy road getting back. That's why most teams don't get back. And then, if you do, most teams don't, you know, it's not, it's not always a guaranteed win. Um, they were better than we were yesterday. We've made too many, too many mistakes, whether it was me calling the plays, uh, putting guys in the right position or right down the line as you go. So um, you make that many mistakes against a good football team and they weren't making as many mistakes and uh, you're not going to win at this level. So uh, you got to, you know, you got to come into these games, you got to be sharp. 
Well, you got to be sharp and you got to be ready. And we praise Andy Reid all the time, Shireen, for his ability when he has two weeks to prepare for a game to have his guys ready to go. And they rarely lose. And they didn't have to travel down to Tampa the weekend before. They weren't distracted by the usual Super Bowl things that occur. There was another distraction we'll we'll discuss that may have affected things in the latter days. But, you know, this defense played incredibly well. And the team that won the regular season meeting in Super Bowls involving rematches from a game that was played during that regular season window. They're now 6-8, and eight, which proves that not only does it not matter, at a certain level it's a bit of a detriment because you, you, you beat them. Hey, we beat them. We can beat them again. Well, you're 6-8, and eight, and I know it's different teams, different years, different eras, but there's something to be said for that 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 edge that you may lose when you've already played a team, you've already beaten a team, what do you do the second time around? Do you do the same thing you did the first time around? Do you change it? What you did last time worked, but yeah, they know you did it, so you're going to do something else. And I think it, it creates another factor, another complication, another thing to worry about for a Super Bowl game that entails plenty of different things for teams to worry about, Shereen. If the Buccaneers had not played the Chiefs in Week 12, I feel fairly confident that the Chiefs would have won this game because the Bucs figured some things out in the last three quarters. I think it was important, too, Mike, that that game was late in the season. It was Week 12. It wasn't Week 1 or Week 2 or Week 3. It was Week 12. So they, they had seen those matchups. They knew how to defend them. And they figured some things out in the last three quarters of that game when you look at, at Tyreek Hill was on pace for almost a thousand yards in that one game after the first quarter, and he had over 200 yards, ended up with 269, I think it was, and three touchdowns. They did a better job in the last three quarters. I think they figured out a lot of things in that game that helped them in this game. They made a lot of changes, obviously, defensively, but I think it helped them offensively, too. And I just think if they hadn't played the Chiefs in that week, I just don't know that they would have won this game. That's a great point. That's a great point because whatever the Buccaneers did to adjust helped slow down the Chiefs in the regular season matchup. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was more than halfway to 700 passing yards in the first half of that game. And they made the adjustments. They got away from single coverage on Tyree Kill. And yet you carry that into the rematch. And I don't know what the Chiefs were expecting. Sims looked at the film today, and we'll be talking about that more tomorrow on PFT Live. I think what he saw was the Chiefs thought they could just do what they did the last time around. And the Buccaneers were, were ready for it this time. And, you know, it's one thing to have great players, but you still have to put great players in the right spot in order to get the most out of their talents. You know, when you look at the combined performance of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you say that's 206 yards. That's great. But Kelsey had some garbage time catches down the middle and run with the ball after the fact. I mean, for Tyreek Hill to be limited to 73 yards when he was such a huge factor in the regular season matchup, I agree with you. It worked out very well that that game happened when it did, and that was the spark going into the bye week. And what did the Buccaneers do after that bye week following the loss to the Chiefs? They won uh, four regular season games, no, five regular season games to end that portion of the schedule, and then four more in the postseason uh wait four and four I'm sorry it was four and four eight my math my math sucks eight four <laughs> plus four is eight you know you know who we mean eight anyway uh so eight so but bottom line is uh yeah I agree with you I think that the fact that the Buccaneers got to see the Chiefs when they did was more of an advantage for the Buccaneers than the Chiefs 
Uh, now, moving forward, Shireen, you know, every Super Bowl champion, we think, well, they're just going to win every additional Super Bowl to come indefinitely, and we haven't seen a team repeat since the 2003-2004 Patriots. The Buccaneers, with Tom Brady coming back, with the full year under their belt, there's no reason to think they won't be in contention next season. One issue is free agency and the salary cap. They've got, I think, only 31 guys under contract going into 2020. they got a bunch of free agents from Chris Godwin to Leonard Fournette to Rob Gronkowski to Ndamukong Sue, who, who quite possibly will retire, Shaq Barrett, who was franchise tagged this year. they got a lot of guys they got to figure out how to pay. Here's Bruce Arians talking about the extent to which the Buccaneers believe they can keep their free agents around. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is keep our guys, you know, um, do what we can, make sure that we keep our guys here and, uh, and and hit a home run in free agency just with our guys uh, and not maybe an outside guy, but mo- just keep our guys. And then uh, Jason will hit another home run in the draft and uh, we'll continue to build this football team. And, uh, you know, we don't have any, many weak spots. If we get the guys back that we want back and uh, need back, uh, we'll just be adding – great athletes in the draft in the draft Tristan Wirfs tackle added by the team Antoine Winfield a great contributor and Tyler Johnson Winfield's teammate at the University of Minnesota a guy who made some clutch catches and a guy who can step up if they can't afford to keep a Chris Godwin the other thing too Shireen that we need to keep in mind salary cap going down Plenty of free agents will be available. Plenty of veteran players with other teams will be cut. And there's that big magnet, that big red and pewter magnet in Tampa that's going to draw teams or draw players to play with Tom Brady and that collection of talent they have in an effort to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, you mentioned the 31 players. I think they have $151 million right now committed, which actually puts them at the top, believe it or not. But it's because they have all those free agents that they have so much money right now. They'll be able to keep some of those guys. I doubt they'll be able to keep all of those guys. But you look at the guys that they added during the season, you know, an A.B. here, Leonard Fournette there. You know, they, they added those guys after the season already started, and they ended up being big, productive guys for the team, especially yesterday. They, they made impact, impacts yesterday for the Buccaneers. So you might see some of that too, Mike. During the season, players get cut. They decide, hey, I'm going to Tampa to try to win me uh, a Super Bowl. But I also think that some of these guys are going to probably sign one-year deals and say, hey, I want to go back and try to repeat one more time with Tom Brady while he's still there, especially on the offensive side of the ball. He is a magnet, as you've written and talked about. Free agents want to go play with Tom Brady because they feel like they have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and uh, that's going to be a compelling dynamic. We wrote something about this earlier today on, on PFT. The idea that you've got these great quarterbacks that are desperate to add to their legacies, guys who already have a Super Bowl win, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, how much will they start jostling? And how much should the teams listen to them? There's a line there somewhere for most teams. They want the quarterback to be a quasi-member of management. They want him to show up early, stay late, hold teammates accountable. But when it's time to come to the table, you know, the, the grown-ups table for draft picks and free agents, that's when there's distance. That's when there's, well, you're, you're just a player. Uh, Tom Brady has shown that he's a hell of a lot more than a player. You round up a bunch of guys that he wanted there, and it worked. I think some of these other quarterbacks are going to start saying, why don't you let me round up? some guys why don't you let me have a voice in who we're going to bring to town why don't you listen to me and defer to me instead of me deferring to you 
I'm the guy who's out there on the field. I've shown I can get it done. Give me the guys that I want, and maybe we can get it done again. And it's something that Brady wasn't allowed to do in New England as much. That's number one. Number two, Mike, who doesn't want to live in Tampa where it's sunny all the time with no state income tax? It's a great place to be. So absolutely, that's a magnet for free agents to go. That's the number one place you want to go, all things being equal. Now, I understand if the money's way more somewhere else, a Green Bay or whatever, you're going to go there. But I want to play in the sunshine where it's nice weather all the time, outdoors, on grass, and no state income tax with Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, by the way, you've got a chance to win a Super Bowl, Mike. It's, it's just a great place where he is right now to attract guys to go play with him. Uh, if I didn't know better, I would say you're ready to move back to Tampa and completely ruin the <laughs> Buccaneers' fortunes. That could be. <laughs> Uh, one last point before we take a break. And look, it's a hard right turn because we're trying to celebrate what happened with the Super Bowl and spin it forward and break it down from a football standpoint. The Britt Reid story, the crash that happened on Thursday night, there, there are a lot of questions. Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports has a great column that looks at some of the questions. And I think some of these questions are going to come into focus. Now, Britt Reid reportedly had surgery. The five-year-old girl who was in one of the cars that Reid's truck crashed into remains in a coma. They've raised a bunch of money for her family on a GoFundMe page. Horrible situation. There's swelling in the brain. It's just a tragedy all around. And, and again, many questions that need to be answered moving forward. But one question looking backward, how did that not serve as a horrendous distraction for the Chiefs? How does that not? How does that not turn your team upside down? Having something like that happen, a tragedy like that happen, even though no life was lost, something like that causes any organization, any group, any gathering of individuals who have a common bond, it causes them to just freeze in their tracks and try to make sense of it. You're doing that two nights before you're going to be spending the night in Tampa the night before the Super Bowl. I don't don't know how that wasn't a factor for the Kansas City Chiefs. And maybe it all happened so quickly, we didn't really digest in the media what a potential factor it was going to be for Kansas City, Shereen. Yeah, and, you know, the players were asked about it last night, and and all of them said it, it wasn't a factor for them, but it had to be on your mind. There's no question about that. It had to be on their minds when they took the field, when they flew to Tampa. I mean, it happened so late in the week, Mike, uh, that when they got word about it, they were the game plan was in and, and they were ready to go. But if nothing else, it absolutely affected Andy Reid. There's no question about that. I don't know how you compartmentalize like that as big as that was and something involving your son. I just don't know how you do that. Well, we've all been there at some point in our lives. What happens is we get caught up in our day-in and day-out existence, and we have a bubble that gets erected around what we do, where we go, and how we spend our time and attention. And then something like this happens, something that involves extreme humanity and or mortality. It pops that bubble, and it disrupts that bubble for a while. So think about having that bubble popped as you are locked in, focused like never before, on a football game that is coming up in just a few days. How does that not penetrate that bubble? How does that not mess you up at some level? Anyone connected to that organization. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that, that they were able to even get through it all and, and seem on the surface like it was all okay. I think not far 
beneath the surface, it was anything but. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to continue the Super Bowl 55 analysis with a round of fill-in-the-blank next here on PFTPN. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The exchange you and Brady had earlier in the game, uh, what, what kind of what was the uh, exchange between you guys, and how did that affect your play the rest of the game? I don't think it affected my play at all. I thought I played as hard as I can today. Um, you know, listen, Tom Brady's a great quarterback. Um, you know, uh, I never really saw that side of Tom Brady, to be honest. Um, uh, but whatever, no comment. Uh, it's over with. I'm done with it. <laughs> it's yeah it's, it's it's i love tyron matthew you can't say no comment is the final two words of your answer you've already yeah. commented on it but uh, it was it, it, it was a stunning moment for me and let's get right into the fill in the blank because that's the first subject the tom brady tyron matthew trash talk was what for you shireen it was unexpected i thought mike there's players out there that i thought would do the trash talking those probably aren't the two that would be at the top of my list trash talking and I hope one of them ends up was was mic'd up or somebody was close enough who was mic'd up that we get to hear that whole exchange at some point. Because I want to know how it started and what was said. And I don't know right now, and I don't know if you have a better feel for it than I do, of who actually started it. It almost looked like maybe Tom Brady started that. I don't know why, but they both went at it for, for a while. And I was surprised that, that Tyron Matthew was the one that got flagged on that. Well, we talked about that earlier today on PFT Live. It's not the guy who starts it, but it's the guy who That's finishes right. it who ends up getting the flag. And for me, for me, that incident was the moment. The instant I saw that yellow glove with the finger pointed at Tom Brady, that was the moment that I said, holy crap, the Bucks are going to win this game. Now, I wasn't far out on a limb. It was 21-6 to yeah. or 20-6 to at that moment. But that, to me, was a reflection that the Chiefs had been broken by the Buccaneers, that this isn't the team – that you can that you can 
rest assured is going to find a way to come back from any and all deficits. It wasn't 24 nothing down to the Texans. It wasn't 10 points down to the 49ers with seven minutes left in Super Bowl 54. There was always a swagger to the Chiefs even when they were losing, no matter how badly they were losing. That moment to me was they've lost their swagger. They've lost their edge. Tyron Matthew was trying to will it back by getting in Tom Brady's face, regardless of who started it. When I saw that, that was when that little that little voice says, that's it, it's done. You were right. The Buccaneers are going to win the game, but you were wrong to think it may have been a Chiefs win or a Chiefs blowout. The Bucs are the ones that are going to get the easy victory today. And I'm not prompting Tom Brady, Mike. That's the last thing I want to do. We know how much he has a chip on his shoulder even now and how much he's motivated by other guys talking to him and, and chip chirping at him and all those sorts of things. So I, I'm not inciting Tom Brady if I'm any one of those Chiefs players at all. That's not what I want. I remember all too well the 2007 season when the Patriots were undefeated. The Steelers went up to play New England in December. Anthony Smith, former Steelers safety, guaranteed that the Steelers would win. Tom Brady picked on him all day long and got in his face. I mean, Brady is capable of that. Now, I'm not aware of anything that Tyron Matthews said, and maybe there was something that got back to Brady privately. I don't know. Now, it's been leaked that Brady apologized to Tyron Matthew for instigating that outburst. I don't know why that's not something Brady could come out and say on his own, but uh, I guess the incident's over. Tom Brady has apologized, even though Tom Brady wasn't the one who drew the flag. There was another taunting incident involving the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. This time the flag went on the Buccaneers, and this time the Buccaneers player had no apologies, no qualms, and no regrets. Here's Antoine Winfield Jr. talking about the foul he received for throwing up the deuces at Tyreek Hill, who is well-known for throwing up the deuces at everyone he runs away from. The taunting, man, I, it's something I just had to do. Um, when we played him earlier, you know, Hill went off on us. He backflipped in front of my face, gave me the peace sign. So it was only right that I gave him the peace sign right back to him. At this moment, it, it felt amazing to be able to do that. <laughs> Not even going to lie. He's going to get fined, but he doesn't care. But, you know, Tyreek Hill always gets away with that. He runs yeah. away from guys, and he throws up the two fingers as he's running into the end zone. And he, look at that. That is great. And, yeah, he, look, he was doing backflips. He was doing gymnastics routines the last time he was in Tampa. And these Buccaneers players remembered it. So when it got to the moment where it was done. Now, you know, Antoine Winfield was smart enough not to do it when the game was still kind of in dispute. He waited until very late in the fourth quarter to throw up the deuces. But you know he was waiting weeks for the opportunity to give it back to Tyreek Hill, Shereen. Oh, there's absolutely no question. So I got on last night. I'm writing this post, right? I had listened to Winfield, and so I'm writing this post. So I went back, and I watched the first quarter of the Week 12 game, and he did. It was on the 75-yard touchdown, I believe, was the one where he threw up the deuces, and then on the next touchdown, which was like 34 yards or something like that, he stopped before the goal line and did the backflip. And it was all up in Winfield's face. So I thought it was deserved, Mike. And I chuckled at it. I thought it was pretty funny. I guess if you're a Chiefs fan or a Tyreek Hill fan, it wasn't quite so funny. But, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you go, oh, that's great. Ha ha. It's funny. And then when Tyreek Hill gets it done to him, it's not quite so funny. Well, no, that's not funny at all. Well, you can't have it one way. It's either one way or I mean, it's got to be both ways. So, you know, I, I thought it was well-deserved. I laughed at it and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens from there. But 
It is. It will be interesting if he gets fined for that because you're right. Tyreek Hill did not get fined. He has gotten fined before for throwing up the deuces, but the last time I could find was like 2018 that he got fined. I went back and did a search. So I don't think he's gotten fined for doing that over the last couple of years. The NFL's kind of stepped away from that. So I hope they don't fine Antoine Winfield for doing the same thing that Tyreek Hill didn't get fined for. By the way, Chiefs fans, the appropriate Twitter handle to which you should direct your comments is <laughs> at NFL Shireen, C-H-A-R-E-A-N, not at Pro Football Talk. You can have fun with them for a while instead okay. of me. But but yeah, it was it was fun. It was a fun moment. And Winfield wisely waited until it was too late for the Chiefs to do a damn thing about it. Uh, one thing the Chiefs didn't do was target Carlton Davis, who had been torched last time around. Not targeting Carlton Davis was what, Shireen? I thought it was a huge mistake on the Chiefs' part because Tyreek Hill did torch him in the first quarter of that first game in, in Week 12 and had 203 yards in, in the first seven catches, 203 yards and two touchdowns against Carlton Davis in, in the first quarter of that game. And part of it was they got pressure on Patrick Mahomes. It was We talked about this a little bit in the first segment, but Mike, the 29 pressures were the most in Super Bowl history. He was running for his life and had trouble getting enough time to get the ball down the field to Tyree Kill, but they absolutely should have found Carlton Davis on the field, wherever he was, whoever he was against and targeted him. I think they would have much better success targeting Carlton Davis. I mean, one thing that they got away from that worked so well against the Bills, those little short passes to Tyreek yes. Hill where he just start, starts spinning guys around, right? Making grown men look like little kids who can't, who can't barely walk. I mean, th 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 we saw none of that. We, we saw none of it. And, uh, yeah, I was stunned that, that they didn't continue to go after a guy that had such a hard time the last time around, although with, with double coverage. But you know what? It's Tyreek Hill. Who cares about double coverage? It's Tyreek Hill. It's Patrick Mahomes. Triple coverage. There's still a window there into which the ball can be thrown. Right here's Devin White, the Buccaneers linebacker and defensive captain, talking about the team being underdogs for Sunday night's game. How personally did you and, and your teammates take it and, and Todd Bowles take it that nobody was talking about how good this defense was? I mean, we didn't take it personally, but it was just crazy to us that we were still underdogs. We defeated Drew Brees. We defeated Aaron Rodgers. And then we was like, he was the MVP and we still was underdogs. <laughs> Man, we just knew we had, we just wanted to win the Super Bowl. We didn't really care about what the media was saying because the media not out there on the field. Hey, so like I said, man, we don't even keep score. We just run that shit up and leave. You know, it's funny. That's uh, similar to something that Todd Bowles said to Peter King, that, that the guys read everything and they watch TV and they were pissed off. Sorry, London, that uh, I, we're not on London on Monday nights, but sorry anyway, that, that uh, everyone was picking the Chiefs and no one gave them a chance to win, which is just Michael Jordan level bull crap. It was not, you know, we've seen the pregame shows where it's unanimous that one team's picked across the board and the other team gets pissed off and wins. There were people out there that thought the Chiefs were going to win. There were people out there that gave them a chance, but they got themselves cooked up into a frenzy, Shireen, that, uh, that they were going to, to be disrespected and no one believed in them. So anyway, to get to the final point, the Buccaneers beating Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes was what? Well, first of all, Mike, I guess that means they don't watch you because you picked the Bucks throughout the whole entire season to win this thing. So I guess that's what that's saying. That's that doesn't saying. help motivate anyone. That doesn't help motivate them. <laughs> no, it doesn't. 
But beating Breeze, back to the point, beating the quarterbacks they beat, Breeze, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, I thought was quite a feat. When you look at 55 total points they gave up in those three games, four touchdowns, six interceptions, 750 yards. It was amazing the defensive effort they had in those three games. When you start talking about the MVPs and the Super Bowl MVPs and all the records and everything else that those three guys have done, it was amazing, Mike. Oh, and underappreciated is my word, especially in the NFC yeah. Championship, because look, we, we will we will praise Tom Brady where praise is merited. But also, he stunk in the second half of the NFC Championship. He threw interceptions on three straight possessions, and the Buccaneers' defense on the last two stepped up and held the Packers and forced a three and out and had sacks on each of the two drives. But for the Buccaneers' defense stepping up after those Tom Brady interceptions, number two and number three, it would have been the Packers and the Chiefs on Sunday night. And there's a good chance the Chiefs would have gotten revenge 54 years later for Super Bowl number one. All right, Rob Gronkowski's throwback performance last night was what, Shereen? No, I thought it was vintage, Mike. And we've talked a lot about he doesn't look like the same guy he was even a couple years ago. But he did torch the Chiefs twice. He was a big factor uh, against them, obviously, yesterday. But he had a big game. It's his only 100-yard game in Week 12. He had 106 106 yards against the Chiefs in Week 12. Uh, Seven touchdowns in the regular season. He was kind of in, you know. And I guess he brought leadership to that locker room. But he didn't make many plays on the field. But I thought he did that in the Super Bowl. He made some big plays to the Bucs. And I thought he was a difference in the game, Mike. He picked a hell of a game to finally stop creating the impression that he's running in mud. And maybe it was a a very long con on all of us that he deliberately slowed down for 18 games. (laughs) And then in game number 19, game number 20, right? 20 games. Game number 20 is the one where he he found the gas pedal and played like he used to play. So uh, awesome stuff from, uh, from Rob Gronkowski. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he probably will be back for another year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Last one real quick. Signing Leonard Fournette was what? Well, I thought it was fortuitous, Mike, because Ronald Jones was banged up in the postseason. He only had 35 touches for 139 yards, no touchdown in three postseason games, where Fournette really, to me, looked more like the Fournette that we saw at LSU. He averaged 20.5 touches in the postseason, 112 yards per game, and one touchdown per game. He had four total touchdowns in the postseason. I just thought he was really, really good in the postseason, and it was big that they had him because of Ronald Jones. Yeah, look, to me, it was typical of the 2020 Buccaneers. They were going all in. It was Gronk. It was Antonio Brown. It was Leonard Fournette. It was guys who were going to make this team better. We find a way to make it work. Leonard Fournette got more and more opportunities as the season unfolded. And it gets back to that point. Guys like Aaron Rodgers, guys like Russell Wilson, looking around saying, what are we doing? When these players are available and they're just sitting there, what are we doing to improve our chances of getting to a Super Bowl and winning it? Because what the Buccaneers did, and I know there are some executives around the league that say it's not sustainable. Well, you know what? It may be sustainable into 2021 and possibly into 2022. And all that matters is they went all in and and they had the cards. They won the Super Bowl with the moves that they made. All right, let's take a break. When we return, something got lost in the shuffle of Super Bowl weekend. The new class of Hall of Famers, Shireen's one of the voters, will give you our reaction to the guys who got in and the guys who didn't when PFTPM continues right after this.
longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Step right up here, brother, right there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Come on. second here. Thank you, thank Drew. Oh, my God. I know you're not here to tell me hi. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Gary Myers did a great job presenting Drew Pearson, getting him into the Hall of Fame, didn't he, Shereen? Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Gary. Hi, Gary. Anyway, um, I don't know that he, I don't know how that even happened. Like, it, it just shows up on Twitter last week that Gary Myers presented Drew Pearson. No, it was Shireen. She made the argument. She got the votes. How did it feel to finally get Drew Pearson in? That was awesome, Mike. I'm glad uh, that he finally got in. 33 years is a long time to wait, and I know how disappointed he was in the Centennial class. I presented him then as well. And Rick Goslin asked to present him this time and got COVID and couldn't, so I read Goose's speech this time, and, and happy that he got in. Got a thank you uh, text. Goose and I both got a thank you text from Drew on uh, on Saturday night. So pretty special that he can finally go into the Hall of Fame because it's been a, a long, long wait. Yeah, and he was one of the best, very best receivers in the NFL back in the 70s, despite the moment where he shoved Nate Wright to the ground and caught the Hail Mary <laughs> pass, December 28, 1975. But I'm not bitter. I can get over it and I can move on. I'd say the statute of limitations for that is 50 years. I'm at 45. We'll get there if got I love you long more. enough. Uh, I got five more. So he was just one of the class of eight, the five modern era finalists who got in and the three coaches contributor and senior committee what was the biggest surprise to you of the guys who got in well i certainly was happy that john lynch got in i presented him once before and and talked about him during the meeting so happy to see john go in of course i think probably it was really a lack of drama i think the biggest question was whether calvin johnson was going to get in on first ballot or not and that was a huge discussion mike and and you know it's relatively short career nine seasons I think I thought might work against him. And the fact that receivers have had to wait. I mean, T.O. wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. And frankly, if T.O. is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm not sure that Calvin Johnson should have been. 
Yeah, but Calvin Johnson wasn't a pain in anyone's butt. And I, I know I don't want to tread on on, uh, you know, dangerous ground here since you're one of the voters. But I really do think for guys like Terrell Owens, Chris Carter, that, that it, it worked against them. The idea that they were a pain in the ass during their careers worked against them when it was time for the human beings who cast the ballots to decide who gets in and who doesn't. Calvin Johnson was a nice guy. Calvin Johnson was unassuming. Calvin Johnson was dominant. But he never won a playoff game, right? And he didn't yeah. play long enough. I, I think he should not have been first ballot. See, I think you know, three first ballot guys, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, and Calvin Johnson. I, I think that Peyton Manning is so good and so deserving that he should have been the only first ballot guy in this class. And I don't want to take anything away from guys who deserve to be in. But I feel like a borderline guy like Calvin Johnson takes away from Peyton Manning the same way that Brian Urlacher getting in on the first ballot took away from Ray Lewis. Well, and I didn't have Calvin Johnson in my final five. I did vote yes for him once he was in the final five, but I didn't have him on my final five because just like I said, I thought if T.O. had to wait and Calvin Johnson needed to wait, and then he is a Hall of Famer, so I have no problem with him going to the Hall of Fame. I did have Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning in my final five, Mike. I did think Charles Woodson was something of a no-brainer, not quite to the extent that Peyton was, and I get your point. But I do think we've put in way too many first ballot Hall of Fame guys. And Brian Urlacher, probably not a first time. Jason Taylor, maybe, maybe not first ballot. But we've put in a ton of the Yeah, we've put in a ton of those guys that are very questionable. To me, a first ballot guy is you stand up and you say, ladies and gentlemen, I present Peyton Manning and sit down. You know, it was a 13-second presentation for him, as it should be. Some some would say those are the only ones who should ever get in, frankly. But that's a, that's a different story all together. Baseball far closer to that than football is. Foot, I just I feel like, and uh, you know, it's they got a certain number of busts every year that they're going to put in, and yeah. for every guy, the, if you if you if you give up one of those slots, that just keeps another guy in the bucket of guys to be considered the next time. It's time to figure out who gets a bronze bust. We're going to take a break. When we return, we're going to answer some of your questions as we wrap up this Monday edition of PFTPM. We'll be right back. All right, let's pop up before we pop open the mailbag. Randy Mahomes giving it to Giselle Boonshin a little bit. If you have to have the ref on your team, is that really winning? And look, I can't, I can't fault the mother of Patrick Mahomes. Got to be hard to, got to be. She threw on the LOL, so she, you know, you're watching your kid out there getting chased around and banged around. He took some big hits. It's amazing he kept going. And the toe injury is probably going to need surgery. It was a long night. For the Mahomes family, but but Patrick's going to get his. It he's he's got another fifteen years. He's going to get his. All right, let's get yours out of the mailbag. PFTP and Posse, do y'all think the officials may have been in fact impacted by the home crowd during the Super Bowl? Shereen, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't know how much of a home crowd it was, Mike. Twenty five thousand fans. Although I'll say it looked much much more crowded than twenty five thousand fans. Maybe it was the cardboard cutouts. I don't know, but. I don't think the home crowd affected the officials at all. I don't think it affected anything in that game. Yeah, and look, I think it was more the Tom Brady aura on on uh, the field that potentially infects some of the officials' thinking. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I never will pick 
foul play over just stuff happens and stuff happens. It's it's an inexact science. You think you see it. It's all moving very quickly. Sometimes you throw a flag. Sometimes you don't. There's a lot of complicated processes that go into the neurons making their way down to the hand that throws the flag out. And and I, I rarely think that there's any type of deliberate intent that goes on in that situation. All right, Uncle Phil, lukewarm take slash question. The interior of the Chiefs offensive line, defensive line has been more of an issue than most people realize during Mahomes' time as a starter. Would you be surprised if these issues held them back from serious championship contention in the future, Shireen? Well, I think they'll fix that. I think they'll fix the offensive line. I think they'll get more depth there. Of course, their two starting tackles will be back, and hopefully they get the good doctor back, too. He'll help on the inside. So they could have this thing fixed, Mike, by next year. There's no question about that. But they've got to get better in the offensive line. There's no question about that either. Last one real quick, and I agree with everything you said. I want to get one more in. Nayata Thomas, who would trade for Carson Wentz, and, and how much would it cost? I think we're looking at the Colts or the Bears, Mike, to make that trade. You predicted the Colts even before we started talking about a trade. Howard Eskin, who does the sideline work for the Eagles radio broadcast and has been doing it for a long time, he floated on Saturday night the rumor of first-round pick, running back Tariq Cohen, and quarterback Nick Foles for Carson Wentz. Wouldn't that be something if Foles goes back to Philly for the third time? He was a third-round draft draft pick in 2012 they traded him a few years later signed him in 2017 obviously Super Bowl MVP left for the Jaguars traded to the Bears and potentially back with the Eagles I think that would be awesome Nick Foles and Jalen Hurts is the two quarterbacks and maybe Hurts is the starter and Foles is just there in the event that you know you need Nick Foles to come in and do what he did three years ago I think that would be fantastic for the Eagles and be fantastic for Nick Foles I, I I think that's perfect that's perfect for both sides Well, it was a fantastic Super Bowl, and we appreciate you sticking with us throughout the weekend at ProFootballTalk.com. We had a ton of traffic, and the traffic is only beginning. It is going to be a crazy offseason. Salary cap going down, free agents galore, quarterback carousel. We'll have you covered every step of the way at PFT and here at PFTPM. Thanks for some of your time. We'll see you again tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.